is good, Defenders, and welcome to episode 144 of the most LAFC podcast on earth. That's right, it's Defenders of the Bank, all black and gold, all the time. And we are coming to you almost live from the heart of Screenland, beautiful Culver City, California. We're actually recording this episode outside in a nice, bright, sunny backyard. Don't worry, FCFC. We're not trying to steal your thunder. It's okay. You know my voice. I am the scarf, J.R. Liebert, and sitting just across from me on a nice wooden round table on, on this, the, the day that he and I were both looking forward to watching our teams in the NCAA college soccer tournament, I give you Christian Philly Philemon. It's nice being outside for a change. Normally, we're in beautiful Philomonster Studios in Burbank, California. We got trees and the leaves blowing. We got the birds chirping. We got a puppy named Ike running around all over the place. I kind of dig being outside in the backyard and doing this. I'm curious to hear how it's going to sound <laughs> when we um, edit this sucker later. Yeah, it'll be if we get a couple of uh, fire engines maybe coming by, watch Ike react to that. We may leave that one on the pod. That'll, no, that's not Ike. That's Philly. But anyway... Uh, this was supposed to be a fun banter, Philly, that we have written here in the notes, talking about my Loyola Marymount University Lions and our foray into the NCAA college tournament for the second year in a row. And then your team is actually playing right now. I know you're watching them as we record this. We are recording Multitasking. this. That's right. We are recording this Sunday, May 2nd, by the way. It's about 2 o'clock. We know it's getting out to you guys a little bit later, but we wanted to make sure we got everything polished up. Philly, it was not much fun to watch my LMU Lions, the previously undefeated LMU Lions, go down to Marquette, controlling all the possession, had tons of shots, seven saves for the Marquette keeper, but we couldn't find the back of the net, even in PKs, losing, I believe it was, what, 3-1 or 4-1 on PKs. We looked awful in the PK shootout, looked great in the 90 minutes, plus all the overtime. LMU no longer in the tournament, and why that hurts so much is because had they won and had the game that you're watching right now goes your way, it would have been LMU and Indiana <laughs> in the next round. Ugh! I wore my Indiana jersey with the hopes of us taking a photo together, you having LMU gear, but maybe it was you jinxing your team because you're not wearing any LMU gear. I'm wearing Indiana gear. Now, the game's only 12 minutes in as it goes. If Indiana wins, and if they win a national title, that'll be their ninth and their first one since 2012. They're playing St. Francis of Brooklyn, New York, a school with 2,700 people. As far as the student body is concerned, Indiana, I just learned, <laughs> at nearly 50,000 student body. When I was there, dude, I graduated in 05, it was 30. Yeah. The fact that it's at 50,000 right now blows my mind. They like that coin. Michigan State had 50,000 back then. So if Indiana's at 50, Lord only knows what Michigan State has. But yes, it would have been fun seeing Indiana play LMU in anything because the probability of that happening <laughs> would really be just soccer or baseball. Yep. Basketball, that wouldn't be the case. Yep. Um, Swimming, that probably wouldn't be the case. Although Indiana did produce Mark Spitz, so there's there you some go. winning there. Look, uh, I have to fit into my stuff from LMU for me to still wear it. That's the only unfortunate disadvantage to, you know, being the uh, the svelte figure that I am now. But, you know, it, it wasn't there, unfortunately, for LMU. We also want to give a big shout-out to our buddy Nick. Nick, you had a, you had a horse in the Kentucky Derby. I hmm. was able for the last week or so to be able to tell people, yeah, my buddy Nick, he's got a horse in the Kentucky Derby. Just to say that sentence out loud <laughs> is crazy to me. But you, Nick, you, sir, found a way to one-up all of us. He sent me a picture 
with. Oh, no. Oh, look, no. Here it comes. It's because of oh, Nick. No, I wouldn't have brought him up. Oh, no. But he sent a picture of him hanging out at the Derby with the greatest living American. Oh, no. Tom Brady and his oh. hat. That beautiful hat. Oh, my God. You and your inner Cleveland from Family Guy. No, oh. no, 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 no. <laughs> so thank you to Nick for allowing us to mention that. Sorry the, the race didn't go your way, bud. But uh, you know what? Hey, we put our money where our mouth was. And. We lost a little bit of money, but that's okay. <laughs> we also put our money on 41 and 1 odds Brooklyn Strong, which <laughs> they Brooklyn, finished, Brooklyn Strong finished 15th in the Derby. That was above Rocky World. It was World. a little bit of above Rocky World. Oof. They were 17th. So, but we love you, buddy. And we were rooting for you there the entire time. And we were able to watch both the match against Houston and the Derby right after with our good friends at Party Beer Co. If you have not had a chance to make it out to Party Beer Co. on Jefferson, an absolute fantastic good time. The lemon beer slushy shandy experience that they have there is fantastic. And the food. The food is great. It's all vegan food, by the way. You would not know that the sausage egg McMuffin that you and I had, Philly, was vegan. It legit tasted like a sausage egg McMuffin. At At one point, I took a bite and I'm like, oh my god, I'm at McDonald's. Panda does not like the vegan stuff because because if it's not meat and it's billed as meat, it freaks her out. But I told her, hey, look, you like McDonald's brekkies. Try this. And she took a bite out of it, and she really liked it. She soon uh, proceeded to lose her mind at Party Beer Co., so <laughs> I can tell you the beer's strong, and it's good because it practically erased all of Panda's memories from yesterday. <laughs> we had a good time, and, and again, a special thank you and a shout-out to Josh and Justin and everybody over there at Party Beer Co. We really do appreciate you guys having us over for that. That's about it for the banter. Let's get into this day in LAFC history, and it's going to be a short one. Of course, we played yesterday on the 1st of May, May 1st, 2021, and let's go back to 2018. May 1st, 2018 was a pretty sweet day as LAFC acquired both Lee Wynn and Adama Diamande. Man, do I miss Dio and Lee Wynn for that matter. LAFC acquiring Lee Wynn for $700,000 in allocation money split evenly, I believe, between Tam and Gam. And then LAFC, of course, acquiring Adama Diamande from Hull City and bringing him over Adama was an absolute goal-scoring machine and a legend here. And Lee Wynn... Bull in a china shop. Right? That's a quote, I believe, from Mark, Nina's dad. And and honestly, Lee Wynn, one of the coolest guys we have ever met. Shout out to Lee <laughs> I wonder Wynn. if he's watching the Indiana game. I was going to say, Philly, where did he wind up going to college and playing soccer? One year at Indiana, and then he went over to Holland to play at PSV Eindhoven. Yeah. Not a bad career, if I do say so myself. So uh, he is another Hoosier. And that is this day in LAFC history. Philly news and notes, and one of these caught us by surprise quite a bit. Kenneth Vermeer coming back to Major League Soccer and reuniting with Yop Stom. Can't really say coming back, because technically... He never really left, if albeit for a week. You're right. Yap Stam, the reason we mention his name, he's the head coach of FC Cincinnati. What does he have to do with Kenneth Vermeer? They both played at Ajax together. They were teammates. They reunited. So Kenneth Vermeer is a member of FC Cincinnati. And according to Cincinnati.com, since he claimed Kenneth Vermeer off waivers on April the 30th, 
We obviously wish him all the best and good luck with a club that is on pace to let in 100-plus goals on the season. People want to talk about, you know, LAFC needing to do things as an expansion club. Jeez, imagine being a supporter of FC Cincinnati. Oh. Sure, your time in the USL was great. You had that amazing US Open Cup game against the, the New Jersey Energy Drinks. But welcome to the big leagues. Yep. And Kenneth Vermeer is certainly going to see some peppering on his end. Let's hope he uh, he performs a little bit. If anything, he's definitely going to enjoy having some uh, some Stellas with his old buddy. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Premierslaw Titan, the uh, keeper for FC Cincinnati, currently injured. So maybe even some playing time in the cards for Kenneth Vermeer. Good luck, man, because their last <laughs> two games, need it. five nothing and three nothing. So yeesh. but he can distribute the ball. Well. He can distribute. And he can also the- hand it to the other team very well. That he's as done well. both of those. That's for sure. Another name that we didn't expect to see back on the radar. We're going to mention this club later on in the podcast as well, but former Jamaican sensation Peter Lee Vassell is back in the U.S., back in the U.S., back in the U.S. of A. The former LAFC striker signed a first-team contract with USL side Indy 11 on Tuesday, marking his first contract, by the way, since LAFC released him at the very beginning of 2020. You'll hear more about another former Indy 11 player later in this podcast. But man, Peter Lee back in the States. That's kind of fun. And Philly, I think we kind of forgot to mention the team of the weeks for the last couple of weeks. And honestly, I was surprised that this player only got named to the bench for week two. MLS named their team of the week for week two. And of course, it was Edward Atuesta in the midfield, but on the bench. And Philly, I don't think we talked about it in episode 142, but Corey Baird named to the bench for the team of the week. In week one, I don't think we're going to have anybody making the team of the week in week three. We'll see. Maybe Pablo? Maybe Pablo. He's my man of the match. This is the uh, segment that we know all of you out there wait for (laughs) on our podcast. How about a little Brian Rodriguez update? (laughs) Philly, Almeria drew 2-2 against Oviedo on May 1st. Brian did not start and got to come in to play the last nine minutes, including stoppage, subbing on in the 87th. Minute, look, Almeria is winless in their last five and coming off of an April, which saw them take just two points from a possible 12. Brian has not been the spark they had hoped for, at least not yet. I'll, I'll be optimistic. Five <laughs> matches remaining in their season. They sit in That's third. That's naively optimistic. Yeah, I'm doing what I can. They sit in third, six points clear of seventh position. And seventh is important because that means you don't get to play in the promotion tournament. Though seventh place Rayo Vallecano does have a game in hand. And again, as long as Almeria can stay in third through sixth, they will qualify for the promotion tournament and keep the dream alive for both Almeria and us here at <laughs> Defenders <laughs> Brian, <laughs> we might be seeing you in a couple of short few weeks, Brian. I know. I've got my, my next version of the song ready, but I may have to rewrite verses. I'm waiting until we see what happens here with Brian Rodriguez. Did you see, by the way, he, he had that post of him lifting up that Peñarol jersey not too long ago? It yes. was within the course of the last week. That was weird. That's that, that's a head-scratching thing. You think Peñarol would just send him a jersey just for the heck of it? It's I, like, I hey, think, buddy, uh, come, come on home. I think he might be coming home after the... Uh, after the loan, we'll see what happens. We'll see what goes on there. We're but he's got do... so many people in L.A. that love him. Yeah. Um. What? We're going to do a, a real quick thing here called the LAFC X Player Roundup. I'm going to do a quick rapid fire of all the different LAFC X players that played in Major League Soccer this week. Let's start first with one who I still wish was in black and gold. Philly, I know you feel the exact same way. 
Bradley Wright Phillips got the start and went the full 90 for Columbus. Bradley Wright Phillips going the full 90 for Columbus. It was a 0-0 draw against the Foot Clan of Montreal, <laughs> and it came just 48 hours after Columbus drew Monterey in the Champions League 2-2, in which BWP also came on in the 67th minute and closed out the match. Joao Moutinho played a whole five-plus minutes in Orlando's 3-0 win over FC Cincinnati. Tyler Miller did not feature in Minnesota's 1-0 loss at Austin and has yet to play this season. Adrian Perez came in at halftime of a 4-1 loss for the D.C. United to San Jose, and just as time expired, Adrian actually had a cross into the box for a near goal that would have meant they would have only lost 4-2. But because the game was not played on turf, Philly, Andy Nahar was even able to play, coming on in the 60th minute and finishing out the loss. And of course, Walker Zimmerman started and played the full 90 in another Nashville clean sheet, earning a yellow card in the 70th. The Colorado game yet to kick off, so we don't know if Stephen Betashore will make his debut for Colorado yet, but that is the LAFC X-Player recap. Let's get in, Philly, to LAFC versus Houston. So, over the course of the regular season, we've been unbeaten. Houston is one team that has not been able to beat us. Of course, we're not counting that 2018 Open Cup loss. But LAFC was looking to continue that unbeaten streak in MLS matches as they went on the road for the first time this season. Now, we got a lot of nicknames for them. I mentioned them on One More Sleep. The Tangerines, the Tropicanas, the Clementines. You like the human highlighters and the fighting Christian Ramirez. I do. Those are my favorite, too. But this, of course, is a very different Houston team than we have seen in the past. Tab Ramos, with another season under his belt, looking to turn his team around in the hopes of turning that unbeaten streak against LAFC. Well, unbeaten. Unwinnable. LAFC was unbeaten. Tab Ramos obviously looking to change things, and a couple of additions that they incorporated in their lineup. They bring in Maxi, Maximiliano, Rudy from, you mentioned them earlier, the Foot Clan. Rudy, a very key component to this, uh, this Houston team. Joe Corona brought him back via, well, not back, but he came in as a result of the re-entry draft. For the expansion draft, Austin picked him up, and they didn't sign him. And then the re-entry draft, he decided to, uh, you know, well, he didn't decide. Houston keeps him in the state of Texas. Tim Parker, a very, very big trade for that Houston back line. Tim Parker, formerly of the New Jersey Energy Drinks, uh, a man who has tasted success with the Red Bulls, hoisting up a supporter shield, another key addition to the Houston Dynamo. And a guy who we thought would be a key addition to the U.S. men's national team, right? He got a a decent run with them just for a little bit. He had like two caps or something like that. Fafa Picot, trade with Dallas. This guy was all over the place during the LAFC match. Very intriguing signing, Fafa. Uh, A fellow New Yorker, I will add that as well. Derek Jones, he comes in this past January with a trade with Nashville. And then the most intriguing, intriguing signing of them all, Tyler Pasher, signed in with the Houston Dynamo from, we mentioned them earlier, the Indy 11. Tyler over the course of the preseason, had a fantastic run, has started every game for Houston since the season began, notched himself an assist over the course of the past couple of matches, made his impact felt in this game right here. A big, big signing for them, considering the fact that he came from Indy 11. And we just want to note a couple of losses they had. Maro Manotas, he's no longer a part of the team. Kiki Struna, no longer a part of the team. Nico Hansen, also no longer part of the team. Your favorite player, Elise, but he left over the course of the season. So yeah, Houston looking like a completely different team than we have seen. But the Orange Crush thankfully didn't crush LAFC. 
No, look, it was a, a lackluster performance to be sure, even though, yes, we continue our unbeaten streak against Houston. Houston had turned in back-to-back 2-1 scorelines in their first two games of the season. They beat San Jose in Week 1. They fell to Portland Week 2, again, both by 2-1 scorelines. <laughs> and honestly, I, I watched both of those games. For the most part, they looked unimpressive and uninspiring. 2-1, both matches, both offense and defense were just eh. Marco Maric has played reasonably well, sure, but... Tyler Pasher, baby. This this was a team that we thought we would come away with three points, and yeah. more on why that was a little bit disappointing later. Something that wasn't too disappointing, Philly, was the Kaiser Permanente player availability report. We knew already through the reports that unfortunately Carlos Vela would still be out with that quad injury along with Mohamed Traore and Eric Duenas, but nobody, nobody on the questionable side of that Philly, which means Diego Rossi would be back and healthy and ready to roll. So it was good to know that we would have him out there. Let me go over the roster for Houston and their starting lineup real quick, and then we will get in to the starting lineup and the recap for LAFC. Marco Modric in goal for Houston. Boniette Garcia, wasn't it like his 250th start or something like that? In Fourth all-time in Houston Dynamo history with appearances. He's just been there and been there and been there for Boniette. Zarek Valentin, Tim Parker, you mentioned him in the speed, Adam Lundqvist, Joe Corona, Memo Rodriguez, Memo. and Matias Vera. I have to ask you about Matias Vera. Are you ready, Philly? Oh, boy. Okay. All right. His club before here, before Houston, the club is called O'Higgins. Where do you think, in what league do you think O'Higgins plays in? Which country? What do you think? O'Higgins. And don't Google it. Dang it. Um, O'Higgins. I mean, look, it... It's it's staring me right in the face, and it's too obvious. And I know if you're a- asking me this, it's it's can't it can't be that obvious. It is not that obvious. All right, O'Higgins. So there's ob- an Irish situation there. I could incorporate the fact that you know there were Vikings that traveled over and raped okay. and pillaged Ireland. It could be Scandinavian. Yep. Um I'll go with somewhere within the Scandinavian Peninsula. Sure. So how about Chile? Chile. <laughs> Samsonite. <laughs> I was way off. Bernardo O'Higgins Riquelme was a Chilean independence leader who freed Chile from Spanish rule in the Chilean War of Independence. And although Philly, he was only the second Supreme Director of Chile from 1817 to 1823, he is considered one of Chile's founding fathers, and he was the first holder of this title to head a fully independent Chilean state. So there is your reason. For I could have just club. read your notes and lied that I knew there that. There you go. He was the uh, the the first, basically the founding father, one of the founding fathers of Chile. That's where Matias Vera played before he came over uh, to Houston. That is O'Higgins in the Chilean first division. And you mentioned all these three players, Fafa Pical, Maxi Urudi, and Tyler Pasher, a brand new front line starting in this match for Houston compared to last year. And the cool thing about Pasher, man, he was once part of the TFC Academy for Toronto, part of Atlanta United for like a cup of coffee, and Sporting, where he capped twice for Sporting Kansas City. 24 goals in 62 matches for Indy 11 for Tyler Pasher. So we know that this kid can play just a little bit. And a couple of names to remember on Houston's bench. Darwin Quintero, the longtime MLS and Liga Emekis veteran. Ariel Lasseter, son of MLS great Roy Lasseter. Honduran legend Minor Figueroa. And, of course, they're called the Fighting Christian Ramirez for a reason. 
Christian Ramirez. But yeah, how fighting that? for playing time, yeah, Christian fighting, Ramirez. He didn't get he, a lot he, of he's it. He's like the Brian Rodriguez now, the Houston Dynamo. Oh. Coming in after the 80th minute, regardless of the, the scoring line, I mean, that's a fairly decent comparison, I mean, wouldn't I you say? I feel like he wants to be making Brian Rodriguez's money right now, but yeah, sure. I mean, I think we would all like to be making yeah. Brian Rodriguez's money right now. There you now. go. But Philly, what about the LAFC roster? Just maybe one or two small question marks there. One or two small question marks? Yeah, maybe. So 4-3-3, obviously, is how they lined up initially. Pablo Cisniega in between the pipes. No surprise there. Chiqui Palacios, Eddie Segura, Jesus David Murillo, Marco Farfan getting another start, his second start of the season. That's pretty cool. Latif Blessing, Mark Anthony K, Edward Atuesta. Fascinating right there. No surprise. Opoku getting his second start ever. Diego Rossi's back. Hey, Woo! the guy who scored the first goal against the Sounders. Yeah, and Corey Baird. The surprise, obviously, the fact that no Jose Cifuentes, but he was on the bench, along with Thomas Romero, Pancho Janela, Alvaro, Alvaro Quesada, Tony Leone, Tristan Blackman, Danny the Moose, and Raheem Edwards. Yeah, I was a little surprised that Farfan got the start over Blackman. We'll see what they do there with that right-back position. I think it's going to be interesting between Farfan, Tristan Blackman, and Philly. I just couldn't help to notice that in the 18, I didn't hear Kim Moon-Hwan. No, he, we said it earlier, he came into LAFC with an injury, and clearly that rehab is taking a, a lot longer. People are already posting on social media about him being a bust. How is that even possible if the guy hasn't even been able to play a game? He's getting himself back up to snuff, and we'll see him. Do you want to burn him out already? You had an interesting take not yes. too long ago about how LAFC always comes out of the gates really, really hot. Yes. And how we end up losing steam over the course of the season and True. towards the end where it matters the most. Resting Vela, not seeing much of Rossi. Kim Moon-Hwan, one of the biggest signings over the course of the offseason. I think it's interesting that we're not putting all these guys in. Despite them maybe being able to play... You don't want to burn our, our boys out. It's cool seeing the young kids, the 20-year-olds, and the 19-year-olds get some burn because if they get hurt, they got that Wolverine X-Men <laughs> recuperation Yeah, we power. don't have that anymore. <laughs> no, and I can't say Carlos Vela does either within his, uh, his tender young age of, what, 31, is it? Yeah, I think so, 31, 32. The yeah. other thing, too, that's important to mention, Philly, look, as, as much as it pains us, right, we're giving updates on Bradley Wright Phillips playing in Champions League matches yeah, this year. Yeah, that sucks. We're not playing Champions League matches this <laughs> year. We are very likely, and I know the qualification standard kind of changed for the US Open Cup a little bit there, but either way, it looks like we're not playing in the Open Cup because I don't think they're going to have the Open Cup. <laughs> June is going to be a nice break for the boys. So yeah, we actually get a little bit of a break, and we don't have to have our guys travel for the All-Star game anywhere because that's also going to be at Bank of California Stadium. So this is a very unique opportunity for LAFC to shut it down in like May and June and actually get these guys some rest between no CONCACAF Champions League, no U.S. Open Cup, and the All-Star break being here, we have a little bit of a luxury in being able to get these guys some extra rest. And we've talked about it on episode after episode, how deep this team is. Keep in mind, after this match, we are still undefeated on the year. Yeah, we didn't look great in this match, but we looked fine no. against Seattle. And neither did our uniforms, right? By the way. And oh boy, you can take that one up with Rich. <laughs> and we we really did look solid against Austin, despite not having Carlos Vela for most of that match or Diego Rossi at all. So I will reserve judgment, at least for the most part, until we get Vela, Rossi, and I'll say Corey Baird on that front line all together. Looks like our midfield is pretty much sorted out. Looks like our back line, you know, maybe between the right back issues, that's about it. 
But, you know, I would have to say, Philly, the best player on LAFC after three matches, and I never thought I would say this, Pablo Cisniega. He's looked fantastic, and we're going to talk about him. We should probably get into the game recap. Let's do it. Yep. In front of a ruckus crowd of 7,850 at BBVA Stadium. We know several members of the Black and Gold were there. We see you, Jonathan. We see you, Slippy. Slippy, you made your flight. Congrats. Yeah, just to name a few. BBVA Stadium has been an interesting ground for us. Our entire history with the Tangerines has been interesting. Undefeated against them during the regular season. We look to extend that streak. We said that before. Newly revitalized team. New logo at the Houston Dynamo. We'll see what the deal is. Just to quickly recap, in the six matches we've had against the Tropicanas, we've won four times and, tw- and tied twice. Tied twice. If you remember that amazing night at the bank when we beat Fanta to clinch the supporter shield, it was one for the ages. Honestly, I'm still waiting to see remnants of that amazing 2019 team. (laughs) Last season, we squared off against Houston twice. Once during the MLS's back COVID Cup tournament in Orlando, a match match which we were down 3-1, to we came back to tie. And our last meeting with them, October the 28th, despite being down a man for nearly a half hour, LAFC squeezed by with a 2-1 to win, uh, goals by Diego Rossi and Eddie Segura. So... That was exciting. <laughs> the banter and the conversation with this game, we'll, 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 we'll see. Second minute in the game, Corey Barrett had an attempt blocked. Left-footed shot from the left side of the box. Nothing there. Same minute, Memo Rodriguez. Memo Rodriguez, the first player from the Houston Academy to graduate and be a member of the, of the senior team. He's had a pretty stellar career since graduating from that academy. He had a right-footed shot. That was blocked. Uruti already making an impact. He had the cross there. Six minute, not necessarily a milestone minute, but I wanted to bring it up. There's a foul on Diego Palacios. And the only reason I bring this up is because the calls throughout the game, if I do say so myself, very lopsided. Yeah. Houston got a lot of calls in favor of them, whereas players like Latif and Opoku were being batted around like they were victims of the Hanson brothers. For those of you who don't get that reference, it's in the movie Slapshot. It's, he's not talking about the musical group, by the way. <laughs> no, no. Well, the, <laughs> those guys, I think, got Mahala canceled. got bopped several, <laughs> several times. Oh, that was quick. That yeah, was yeah, you like that. Huh? But yeah, I just bring that up that way. But the first real attempt, though, happened within the course of the 13th minute. It was Edward Atuesta finding Diego Rossi. He tried to slip one past uh, Maric, but that attempt was saved. It was off of his right foot. I think it could have been offside. He looked kind of offside, but there was no call there. That was the first real attempt within the match. Six minutes goes by, 18th. Rudy again gives it a solid go from just outside the six-yard box, but it misses wide of everything. Close call early for LAFC. Scarf, I'm 18 minutes in. What do you got? Yeah, look, Maxi Arudi, you're absolutely right. He was the the dynamo, if you will, behind the Houston Dynamo's attack. He was the the engine, the the, the dynamite ta- behind the dynamo. Okay, the the talisman, I think, is what they like to say over in Europe. Looked really good for Houston. So did his hair. Made me miss me chopping uh, off. You mentioned mine. that a couple of times in the twenty first minute, though. Edward Atsuesta missing a shot wide from the top of the box, and I mentioned it as this truck goes by that you might have heard outside. That I thought LAFC needed to take more shots like this from outside the box. Maybe oh. that's why Sifu would have been a little more effective at parts. I don't know. 
But I really, it's Edward Atsuesta. I love when he gives it a go here from the outside. We've seen him do incredible things before. In the 29th, it was a bad foul by Jesus David Murillo, which led to the yellow card. A key event. And Arudi, that's right. And Arudi was the only one, right? On the, the <laughs> I'll first, explain that when we get to yeah, halftime. So, yeah, well, we're going to make Philly explain that at halftime. The yellow card from Rio in the 29th. Another Arudi attempt misses wide in the 30th. And it was that 42nd to 43rd minute little stretch there. Houston picking up a little momentum in the 42nd minute. A great save by Pablo Cisniega on Joe Corona. A diving effort. The top right corner. Tim Parker then misses a header high, which was sandwiched in between two more Houston corners to close out the half. And Philly, nothing, nothing at the half. You mentioned it, but I want you to explain why you called the yellow on Mario a key event. So as we were doing the, the game analysis, the game breakdown, one of the various sources that we like to utilize, ESPN to be more precise, they usually state their key events. They'll have their commentary, then they'll have their key events. At the half, the key event... The yellow card on Mario. That was it. We tried to give you a bu- bunch of the events that occurred. We really wanted to make this sound like a lot happened. We wanted to paint a very exciting picture for you. But in reality, it was a snooze fest. An absolute snooze fest. 0-0 at the half. A possession 57-43 in favor of LAFC. Shots 7 in favor of Houston. Both teams had one on target. The interesting statistic, Houston had eight corners to LAFC's three. And as sloppy as this game looked, LAFC managed to somehow maintain 78% passing accuracy. To us, the number looked more closely to what Houston had, which was 66. A lot of careless turnovers, a lot of passes back to the Dynamo. The the The, the first half was... Was boring, to say the least. Uninspired, maybe, would be a word I would use. We don't often comment negatively on LAFC, but very boring first half. No, look, it was. It was a real boring first half. It almost reminded me of that that first game against Mark Dos Santos, where we actually wound up losing one nothing. where it seemed like you know Vancouver was playing for the 0-0 draw right up until they weren't. And honestly, that first half was totally uninspired by both sides. Let's let's not just say LAFC. I don't think Houston pushed guys forward very often. We saw six or seven players drop back into the box once we crossed into the attacking third. Just not a lot of fun to watch on both sides. But Philly, fresh out the box at halftime in the 46th minute, Latif comes out shooting with a shot well wide to the left outside of the box. And I thought, okay. We're going to come out. We're going to start peppering some shots. This is what we're going to do. We'll get something to deflect. We'll get a good run in. Maybe we'll get a rebound. One of those poacher goals that Cheech is known for so often. And in the 55th minute, Philly, this is why they call it the beautiful game. Literally nothing happening through the first 10 minutes. And then all of a sudden, we look like the LAFC. You mentioned it, Philly, back from 2019. That team that we've been looking for. Diego Rossi to Edward Atuesta to Mark Anthony K to Latif Blessing to Corey Baird. And it's a goal for LAFC. And I love when Corey Baird and or Danny Masowski do something because you know my prediction, Philly. 15 goals, 15 assists between the two of them. There's a goal for LAFC. one nothing. We heard the black and gold faithful there in Houston at BBVA Stadium. That's where it's at, Connor. BBVA Stadium. <laughs> and so 55 Sad. minutes in LAFC taking the lead. Ah, oh, crap. Yeah. And then off the ensuing kickoff, Philly? 
Yeah, it was seconds later. Real quick, I just want to say I was happy that Corey Baird had a second because in the 49th minute, something we have seen throughout the entire history of this club's existence, Corey Baird had an unselfish pass rather than a selfish shot. <laughs> he got the, he got a great situation. He got the ball served to him on a dish by Latif Blessing, but he had a couple opportunities. Several of our boys had a couple opportunities. Ah, we'll wrap it all up, but I, I hate seeing these boys being unselfish. I'd really like to see somebody step up, which is why I miss a guy like Dio. Absolutely. A guy who would come in, bull in a china shop, get the hell out of my way, I'm going to scorch the back of the net. Want to see more of that. Can't we just replicate a guy like Dio? Philly, you know the quote I live my life by by Wayne Gretzky. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Take shots, LAFC. <laughs> Philly and I are advocating taking shots on our podcast. Imagine that. But we're actually talking about yesterday. the ones on the pitch. Yep. Take shots. Yep. So anyway, seconds after the rejoicing, in the 57th minute, Fafa Pico, the New Yorker, the former FC Dallas player, threads a beautiful ball into a streaking. He had his clothes on. Tyler Pasher. Threw the quad and- <laughs> into the gymnasium. <laughs> bring, your, bring your green hat. It's level again. It's level again. Such awful mental focus by LAFC. It's, it, it was as if they, they didn't stop rejoicing. They took a break. What was it? Maybe 82 degrees in, in Houston it with was the humidity. Hot. Right before the goal, though, Sifu came in from Mahala, moving to attacker, and right after the goal, Pasher, you figured he'd be rewarded, but... <laughs> he got rewarded with some orange wedges and a nap. Yeah. <laughs> orange wedges for the Clementines. Imagine that. Pasher comes out for a familiar foe, Darwin Quintero, and we are level at one-to-one. Ugh, it was so frustrating, Philly, because how many times have we seen from this LAFC club scoring a goal, and then literally off the kickoff or in the next couple of minutes, giving one back within the next five minutes. I'm going to have to do my research or just see if Vince has already done the research because he's incredible at those kind of things. How many goals we have given up within five minutes of us scoring one? It really does seem like a lot. In the 64th minute, long, strong, and down to get his friction on, Edward Atuesta, the long shot Sir saved. Mix-a-Lot, all right. There's your, <laughs> there there's you your bingo uh, play, as you like to reference it. <laughs> saved from outside the box, though. He seems to be, honestly, the only one really willing to shoot from this distance so far. And, and look, I, I do look forward to seeing other players on other teams on occasion. Obviously, Christian Ramirez in this match. I want to see how he would do. <laughs> but I mentioned this last year when we got to play Houston twice. I really wanted to see what Roy Lasseter's kid, Ari, could do. And he comes on in the 70th or 71st minute. We had a couple different substitutions. Joe Corona and Maxi Arudi come off. And I know you and I were both happy to see Maxi come off the pitch. Ari Lasseter. They took out all their players. They, they took did. out Memo. They took out. They clearly were playing for a draw at that point. Absolutely were. Ari Lasseter and the Ghanaian Derek Jones, who you mentioned, the Nashville. That's right. Came over from Nashville. They come on in the 70th and 71st. And one of your favorite players, Philly Moose, comes on for Mark Anthony K as Sifu goes back to the midfield. And now Moose playing up top. The Moose is loose, but no kicking it into the back of the Camuse. Camus? Caboose. Today's word of the day, Camus. Camus, yeah, hey. 83rd minute, another solid save for Pablo. This time on Fafa. Pablo staying active. I mean, both keepers were active for the most part. Yeah. An interesting fact for you. For the Houston Dynamo, every save that Marich made, the, the keeper for the Houston Dynamo, yes. there would have been a donation given to Houston Charities in the amount of $500. Yes. I will tell you that Marich earned $1,500. So not a lot of shots on target, not a lot of work for him. But Pablo, well, same amount of work. Anyway, save there. 
85th minute, we get to see Bryce Duke and Tristan Blackman come in for Corey Baird. He got a goal. And Cheeky Palacios. Duke once again playing the striker. The Moose, loose in the 90th minute with a shot from the outside. And at least he, uh, he, he kept the Houston defense honest. We got to like that. We were talking about stoppage time. I assumed we would have four. You assume we would have three. We got six minutes of stoppage. Yeah, do we want to qualify that as our weight? What? what? Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know, even know if we like, had one. It seems like a weak weight one. I agree. Again, it's sort of a weak game, but I we'll, agree. we'll say that later. I mean, some things happen, though. We had another long shot from Atuesta. It missed high and to the right. We got to see Christian Ramirez <laughs> coming of. in at the 90th plus fourth minute. As a player with the amount of experience and the goals that Christian Ramirez has had, how do you take that in terms of like, you know, your your inspiration, your motivation? It's like, I'm going to have 120 seconds of action. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? The guy's getting paid an awful lot for those 120 seconds. Yeah. I'd love to get paid for 120 seconds, the amount Christian Ramirez does, but he enters the match trying to steal one at the death for Houston. Nothing there. 90th plus five. Rossi misses a shot high and wide. Another bit of action that did occur. Uh, 90th plus three. Sloppy giveaway. There was a shot saved by Pablo. And the attempt made by Matias Vera. Right-footed shot from outside of the box saved. And, and, and that's really it. The game ended one-to-one. And if you fell asleep after the 57th minute, we don't blame you. You didn't really miss much. You missed nothing. As far as the stats are concerned, LAFC dominated possession 61 to 39. The shots, Houston 12 to 10. On target, four for four. Marich has said earned 1,500 bucks for charity. That means three saves. Pablo also three saves. Passing accuracy, which is crazy to me. I don't know who is taking this statistic. Still at 78%. I don't believe it. This game, brother. Was ugly. Yeah. Just as ugly as the shorts and jersey combination that they were wearing. I don't care what. I don't I don't see how anybody could like that. It looked like a dirty piece of cloth with a very bleached piece of cloth. <laughs> the game was just as ugly as the shirt and, 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 and short combo. Maybe they could have done black. Hell, maybe they could have just kept the uh, the linen scheme going. I mean, the socks. I feel like that would have looked like pajamas if you would have had the whole linen thing going. I feel like yeah, but it, but Scrooge. it wouldn't have looked like like things were dirty. I don't know. It just it seemed like somewhat of an eyesore, and it wasn't just the, the the gear and the fabric on the on the mat on the mat on the on the pitch that was an eyesore. I mean, the whole game was an eyesore. If you do, if I do say so, yeah, very uninspiring. You know, I have to say, as the game, I did not like the. White shorts at the start of the match, but I think I cared less and less as the game went on. That's because party beer was doing their job. <laughs> I, I hazy high PA, hazy scarf. <laughs> I would have liked to have seen. No, it was those lemon shandy slushy things. I had like three of those. I, I would have loved to have seen it with the black shorts as well. But hey, look, Philly, we didn't lose in the white shorts. Yeah, no, that's we did true. Not lose in the white shorts. We have still not lost to Houston in the regular season. Look, we're going to call this episode one point and two few shots. So it's one of those things where we really How about just, hit the snooze button? Uh, you know, we really needed to find ourselves on offense a little bit more. But again, I said this earlier in the podcast. I'm going to say it one more time. I absolutely will reserve judgment until Carlos Vela, Diego Rossi, and our entire starting 11 are healthy. But yeah. if you ask me, the best part about this team so far this season, shown through once again... It's the defense. It's the back line, those back four, and Pablo Cisniega yeah, man, once man again. Look, if not for an absolute pinpoint pass by Fafa Pical, 
we win this match one nothing. It was a beautiful pass by P. Call. In my opinion, it was the nicest single effort by anybody on either side of the offense in this match. So props to Fafa P. Call. I know some people were saying Corey Bear, their man of the match, but again, for me, it's Pablo yeah, Cisniega. No I really think that Pablo is coming into his own as a starting keeper, now no longer having to look over his shoulder. All due respect to Thomas Romero, but uh, those are my thoughts at the end of it. But Philly, I got is, some of my own, though. Yeah, this is one of those where, for me, I'm just going to wash it away and focus on about 13 miles down the road yeah, and yeah. seven days from this match. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. What are your thoughts? Look, I think the problem is we all have such lofty expectations of this team. Why? Because we've seen them do some pretty incredible things. Regular season blew away our expectations in 2018. 2019 spoiled us, completely spoiled us. You can't replicate that. And they were already set up for failure in terms of having lofty goals for 2020. 2020 started really interestingly. We beat Miami. Interesting match against the Union. The Leon series was incredible. The COVID Cup showed us LAFC's grit and determination having to come from behind. But then a lackluster regular season. No consistency. An amazing Champions League run, which was by far the most exciting sporting event for LAFC. Oh, I mean, the Dodgers winning the World Series was cool. The Lakers winning. The Islanders, for me, was, was pretty cool. But LAFC's CCL run was great. But we all come in with lofty goals yet again this season. You said it. All in all, we do remain undefeated. But I'm looking at this from a pure entertainment perspective. Imagine having a long week of work. You're emotional and you're sitting at the bar or on the couch or spending the money to fly to Houston. This was sloppy, uninspiring level of play. It is early. There are players on the pitch that were together in a lot of cases for the first time. No Vela. Rossi's first came back, but... Come on. The passing wasn't crisp. I don't care what the stats say on accuracy. You, you can't be that careless with the turnovers and the giveaways. I picked Pablo as well for my man of the match. But the one thing you said that I will agree, despite all the criticism, we play the Galaxy next week. A crushing defeat of them. And who the hell cares about Houston? Maybe this was a wake-up call for them. We haven't seen our boys fire on all cylinders yet. We're waiting. And yes, it's early. Yes, we are undefeated. But I can't help but say this was the biggest snooze fest of an LAFC match I can remember. We play Carson. At the time of this recording, we're going to wait for them to see what happens against the Sounders. Chichi's on a roll. We hope to see a healthy, motivated, and an angry Carlos Vela out there next week. Next week, we crush the Galaxy. I could care less about the Houston result. No, that's absolutely right. Look, we know that we circle that game on our calendar, and that's Always. the game that matters. That's all that matters. So we'll see what happens in that match. I love LAFC coming into that match. They play Seattle. Galaxy does in about three hours from now, actually, or so. Two hours. We'll, uh, By the way, Indiana's winning one nothing. Indiana's winning one nothing. Congratulations. Yeah. I'm showing a 6 o'clock start time for that Seattle game, but that's okay. Either way. Can't wait to see what Seattle's able to do to Carson. Glad that they'll be able to show, slow down Chicha. Anyway, we'll see what happens they're, there. Yeah, they're actually playing a decent team this That's time right. around. So we'll see what happens. Episode 145, you guys. Oh, it's no, no. going to be incredible because we're, of oh. course, going to be talking about the Battle of Los Angeles, as Philly likes to call it, I believe, the 110 Collision. Yeah. That's his favorite nickname for it. I'm going to stick with Battle of Los Angeles just because it reminds me of the Rage Against the Machine cover. And before we sign off for 144, I know Philly... You and the guys over at AIM Athletes in the Making have some very exciting news for the millions. And millions. Of Defenders of the Bank listeners. If you have stuck around to the end of this episode, and why wouldn't you after that riveting recap for the human <laughs> highlighters of Houston, 
This is your payoff right here. So, athletes in the making. We've spoken about them on a number of occasions. They are doing a raffle. There is a Carlos Vela art piece, which is signed personally by Carlos himself. The raffle works as follows. It is $10, and the money raised for the raffle is going to go to benefit athletes in the making. Okay. Now, the way to participate in this raffle is go to athletesinthemaking.org backslash donate. And if you punch in your donation, you will be entered into this raffle. You can enter as many times as you would like, and you don't have to do multiple entries. If you want to give $50, you donated at the time, and that would be five entries into this. Look, Carlos signed this. There's a picture of him. I'm going to put it out there. Again, the proceeds go to benefit Athletes in the Making. And for those of you wondering what Athletes in the Making is, it's a not-for-profit organization that is looking to keep kids involved in sports. For $10, you could enter your name into a raffle to win a Carlos Vela piece of art signed by Carlos Vela. The winner will be announced about an approximately an hour before the game against the Galaxy next week. Athletesinthemaking.org slash backslash donate. We will post it on the uh, on the Instagram pages. We'll make a little video about it. If you have any questions, feel free to direct message us or Athletes in the Making. You have the potential to own a beautiful piece of artwork of Carlos Vela signed by the man himself. Look, such cool work that the guys over at Athletes in the Making are doing. Philly, you and I got to hang out with those guys several times. You've talked with them on a very regular basis, and they're trying to keep kids in youth sports. And what could be more important than that at a time like this? If everyone's healthy, if everyone's happy, then it's time to get back to playing sports and keeping these kids in physical fitness and their mental health up in tip-top shape as well. I can tell you right now, I'm coaching my girls in volleyball over in middle school, and there's just something about sports that help these kids maintain their focus, maintain their positive energy, and maintain their ability to kind of shrug off all the things that happen in life. And it has been a rough 14, 15 months for so many of us out there. So let's keep these kids in sports. Let's keep them positive. Let's keep them active. And let's help support athletes in the making. Again, athletesinthemaking.org backslash donate to donate to this incredible cause and have a chance to win some really cool LAFC memorabilia. Episode 145 will be the big one. You guys know it. It's the Battle of Los Angeles, the 110 collision. We are not calling it El Trafico. You just called it El Trafico. No, I said we're not calling it El Trafico. Can't wait to talk about what I have already predicted is going to be a 3-2 win. A 3-2 win for LAFC. I'm calling it right now. 3-2. We'll talk about why during one more sleep next week. We'll talk about... All the fun stuff on episode 145. Good luck to Indiana because you're still in the tournament. What's the score right now, Phil? one nothing at the half. Still one nothing. All right, one nothing at the half. So I, I guess I have to root for the flipping Hoosiers. No, you don't. Out. You can root for St. Francis Brooklyn if you want I to. I don't want to root for St. Francis of Brooklyn. That's okay. But you guys know how we like to end all of our episodes. Thanks for hanging out with us on 144. We'll see you next week for 145. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.